Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Hallelujah. Go with me to uh, Luke chapter 11. I want to uh, I want to preach tonight on 38 keys of effective prayer. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're going to provide sandwiches for everybody. No, I'm playing. <laughs> hey, Lord of mercy. <laughs> if somebody said they preached 38 keys, I'm leaving. Come on now. Hey, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke chapter 11, I'm cutting up, I got 36, no, I got four, four keys we want to go over tonight, I'm still just in the prayer vein, can't get out of that, um, so uh, Luke chapter 11, um, you're there, I'm going to give us four keys to prayer, and um, 738, we'll have the kids loaded up, be out of here, hopefully by 830. If not, that's because Matt's preaching too long over there. Luke chapter 11, you there? I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to meet together, to gather together in this place corporately. I thank you for the opportunity to teach the Word. And Father, I just pray that you would anoint me afresh in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Luke chapter 11, you there in verse 5. And he said unto them, and he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and that my children are with me in bed. That's revelation right there. I'm not the only one who got a child in the bed. He said his children was asleep with him in the bed. Listen, I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from, from any uh, uh, father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now Jesus starts out with the first one. The first key is going to be persistence. A lot of times we knock, and if the door's not open immediately, let's be honest, a few days we stop knocking. And we quote the scripture, knock. I don't believe it's the first knock that it pries open. Now, how many knows this? When you first got born again, it seemed like that when you prayed for something, within a few days, God answered that prayer. Am I the only one? Well, as we, get, as we mature and as we walk with God, there's something that He likes to do called building our faith. 
And so in this, Jesus is teaching that it's not the first knock that comes open. And tonight, I, I want to talk, I'm, I'm going to share some vision and share some things in my heart. Like when I'm, when I'm up here preaching, Catherine, she, <laughs> Sunday night we were laying in bed and we were recounting the service. And she said, John, I don't know if them people don't know if you, I feel like they don't know what you want them to do. I'm not looking for anybody to run around the building. I'm not looking for any outward appearance of any type of emotion. But I'm just saying this. There is a realm in the spirit that we are trying to reach and we're trying to get to. There's an openness in the realm of the spirit. When I say that it's heavy in here, I don't mean that there's demons in here. I mean that when, when we cast in the word, it seems like we're throwing it on concrete. Are you with me now? When Jesus talked about, when Jesus talked about, he, he never said anything was wrong with the seed. He, he talked about the condition of the soul. And the condition of the soul is the condition of our hearts. Are you with me now? And so what we want in, in, is the realm of the Spirit where there's an openness in here where we're ready to receive what God has for us in worship and in the Word and that there's an openness, not that we're trying to just shove it down. You follow what I'm saying? And so in this text that Jesus is talking about persistent in prayer. So the first key is if I knock one time and the door don't open, what do I have to do? What he's saying is you stand there and you keep knocking until something begins to move. Are you with me now? I believe that every Tuesday morning that as we gather together and as we gather in our own prayer closets all throughout this county that something is moving in the realm of the Spirit. I know when I walked in Tuesday morning, I mean, I wasn't in there 30 seconds and I had tears running down my eyes because of the glory of God that was in that, was in that room on Tuesday morning. And so what happens is we're a group of people that is knocking. We're knocking at the door. We're seeking. It's not every time that you, there's times that when I go into prayer, it seems like like the Lord is waiting on me and there's times that I go in there I have to look around I have to I have to press into when we talk about pressing in what does that mean we're trying to press really out of the flesh into the spirit the secret place is not some hidden place somewhere the secret place is really inside in your spirit man and so what we talk about pressing through, what we're, what we're having to press through, we're not having to press through people and demons as much as we're having to push through our own junk and our own flesh and everything that happened through us throughout the day and throughout the week and our own cares. That's what we're pressing through to get to Him. How many knows He's the divine answer we're looking for? And so Jesus is teaching you've got to be persistent. Prayer is not for a weakling. It's not for a weakling. It's where I get at a place on earth and I become a conduit to heaven and I'm, I'm saying, God, use me at this moment to transfer what we need from there here. And it's persistence that pays off. It's a continual knock every day. This is not just Tuesday morning. It's not just Wednesday night. It's not just Sunday morning. This is a lifestyle that we live. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? It becomes a lifestyle. Probably a decade ago, and it's well worth your read uh, of the story called, it's a book called Practicing the Presence by Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a monk, really a cook or dishwasher, um, and people would travel from great distance just to watch him uh, wash dishes or peel potatoes. They said he would literally glow with the presence of God. And one of the things in his book that he wrote 
uh, I think he lived around the 1500s or whatever. It's, it's a long time ago, but it's called Practicing the Presence by Brother Lawrence. And what he did is he, he, he got in a small tent, and he learned how to worship God in that small tent till he could fill that tent up with the glory of God and just bask in the glory of God. And then he would move to a larger room and move to a larger room until he could fill up an entire room or an entire hallway with the presence of God. And, and one thing that Brother Lawrence said in that book is he said that, what he would do is he would train his mind to keep his mind stayed on the Lord. Whatever he's doing, his mind was upon the Lord. And he said if he felt his mind begin to drift off either way, he would stop and repent and bring his mind right back on the Lord. So the first key is persistence. We will not obtain the breakthrough we're looking for probably in two weeks. Probably may not in three weeks. Actually, what I believe I'm contending for, I will never see in my lifetime. I have preached this ever since we've been married. I'm contending for a move of God that if I do not see it, I believe my three boys will walk in it. Are you with me now? But I do believe that prayer, it literally changes and shapes history. So persistence. Got to be persistent in prayer. Go to Luke 18. We fit and read another parable. Was it shy of 22,000? <laughs> Listen, Luke 18. Luke 18. All right, one through eight. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain city and a judge who, do not, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me for my, uh, from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, and her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night, to him, through though he bears long with them, I tell you that when, when that that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he will he really find faith on the earth? Second key is faithfulness in prayer. Now Jesus is teaching here, and it goes back to the same one we looked in Luke chapter eleven. There's something about the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. It's always, listen to me, it is always the hungry. Heidi Baker teaches this. It is always the hungry that gets fed. Those that thirst and hunger after righteousness, what? Shall be filled. So Jesus is teaching on faithfulness. Now one thing that I believe this uh, has to do that, um, that um, I, I, I've studied revivals, looked at several uh, different moves of God, Felt like the Lord told me a couple weeks ago to go back and start restudying the awakenings or whatever. Evan Roberts and all that happened in Wales. But let's go to a current one. In 1995, there was a move of God at Brownsville Assembly of God uh, that, that literally hundreds of thousands of people gave their life to God in Pensacola, Florida. How many members of that move of God? Now, one of the things that... Uh, 
Um, I've, I've heard John Kilpatrick teach and, and talk about that revival of Lot, but one thing that happened is the Spirit of God began to grip him in a mighty way, and he would meet God at 5 a.m. when nobody, he would crawl out of the parsonage, get into the church, and he said the Spirit of God would come on him in, in that church, and he would just lay there and groan and moan, and he couldn't even get words out, and he just lay there and groan and moan. The Bible talks about that we pray with such groanings that cannot be interpreted. That deep spirit of prayer can came on him and he was faithful to seek God um, uh, every morning this the prayer cannot be I, I believe that uh, was said so, well I'm praying I believe in a set time of prayer <laughs> I believe there's something about the set time of prayer that um who was the guy that we went did the karate and stuff while I preached I need to bring him in here maybe yeah he was sweat so bad he had to put a wetsuit on to pray for people this brother right here, I thought he was going. Yeah, he he's a kickboxer now. I thought he's going to kick uh, kick the worship leader out one night or something. He was up there doing whatever. Anyhow, he puts on like a sweatsuit top, whatever, when he prays because he sweated so much when he preaches or whatever. But uh, he was uh, born and raised in Chicago. Yeah, because he always says he's a hooky jockey. He uh, the, the way he talked to whatever he talked about Doit and Choich. That's how he preached. But uh, he used to preach for George Moxley a lot over there or whatever. But he he was on a television show or whatever and they ran late and he got up in the middle of a live television show and he told the lady that was uh, doing the interview with him and she said you must sit down because we've got this airtime blocked away and he said you don't understand he said I meet the king every day at four o'clock and I'm never late there's something about this time that we're faithful to put into that. Y'all, if we believe in prayer, but let's, let me just tell you the condition that we're having to preach in and what I'm having to say, that down here in the South, one of the main things we say when someone gets sick, when someone's dying, or when things get really bad, well, all we can do is pray. That is the mentality of the church because we really don't believe that God is hearing us and we really don't believe God's turning around. Now, one of the things that I told the, I told the sheriff, I said, if you'll write the top three knees down, we'll see God turn them in six months. I believe that God hears our prayer and I believe if he hears us, then, we'll, then he will answer us. Are you with me now? And we'll have the thing that which we ask for. So another thing Jesus is saying is, is listen, he, he ends this parable and he says, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a church that is praying in faith, believing in faith for what, they, what they'll have. Praying in faith, faithfulness. Number three, Psalms 24, 3, 4. Let's look at these verses of Scripture. I want to show you one out of Isaiah 62 and another one I'm going to try to get to. Uh, Psalms 24. Psalms 24, verse 3 and 4. It's, um, here we go. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Uh, who has not lifted his soul to an idol? Praying in purity. Praying, praying uh, uh, living a pure lifestyle. We've we, we preached this for the last three, four weeks now. Our greatest prayer one of our greatest prayers and how we can remove these principalities and powers is through righteous living. This is almost sanctification. What I just cut up is almost something that is lost in the church where we're living at today. Come on now. 
It is something we had in the, in the old Pentecostal church. We used to talk about sanctification. But sanctification is still just as important as it was preached in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And he talks about that. Because listen, if we're going to have power in prayer, our lifestyle has got to match what we're praying. One of the reasons why I believe that God don't answer the prayer immediately is because he tests our heart to see if we really want what we're asking for. When we ask God, listen, listen. When we ask God, God, we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. That's the prayer that's on the earth. That's what we pray, leaning down on those morning benches. We pray, God, we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. As that goes to heaven and comes back down, what God says, is, this is how he hears it. I, you want to see impossible situations. The only way we're ever going to see a miracle is to have an impossible situation. And then we, we cry when we get into impossible situations, but we just ask God we want to see miracles. If we want to see miracles, we've got to have a room full of impossible situations. Are you with me now? And so purity, pure, I believe that this is a message that is coming back to the church, the message of the bride, and, and the bride's wanting to be holy. It's not done out of Christian discipline. It's done from a place of the heart that she's in love with Jesus, and she don't want nothing to separate her from, the, from that love and that passion that, he, that she has for him. This is the message that's coming back. I feel the Holy Ghost. And so who, who, who has that authority in prayer? Who has that authority in prayer? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted his soul unto an idol. Now let's go to James chapter 4. When I was, when I was uh, writing this down or whatever, jotting some notes down, I was thinking about it when I was talking about praying in purity or whatever. I had an aunt. Her name was Alma. Um, and I'm from Alma, but her name was Alma Taylor. And a lot of people, especially in today's time, and I've been guilty of it myself, would make fun of women or whatever. We cut up and we said it was religion or whatever. But, but uh, I never remember my Aunt Alma in anything but a skirt. I'd never seen her hair down in all of my life. She had a bun about that high or whatever. But I can tell you this. When she started praying for you, something changed in your life. Um, uh, uh, one of my... Um, one of uh, her, her great nephews or whatever would have asthma. They didn't even live for God. And every time that that child would get in an asthma attack, she would call Grandma Alma. And, and that mama would call uh, Grandma Alma, and she would say, lay the phone on him. And, and Aunt Alma would be off in tongues, I'm telling you, at the drop like that. Uh, I'm talking about old Pentecostal-style tongues, and that asthma attack would leave that child. There's something about when we live Listen to me. When we live the lifestyle, there's something about that prayer that's powerful. Listen, powerful public prayers is a result of secret intimacy with God. <laughs> there was a man over in Nichols, Georgia, by the name of, of Robert Tanner, uh, which they've gone, ain't they? Uh, there, Robert Tanner, and I remember um, I, that man could clap his hands like this. He'd clap his hands one time and say, Jesus, and I'm telling you, it was almost like Jesus was on the spot. Why, why could he do that? The lifestyle in which he lived and embraced uh, was, was of intimacy. Now, let's go right here. James chapter 5. The next key, praying fervently. We are not in an hour in a nation where lay me down to sleep is going to work. Come on, church. Are you with me now? We, we are not in a day where the lay me down to sleep or the two-minute prayer is going to cut it anymore. 
All right, now listen. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The what? The effective fervent prayer of a, of a righteous man avails much. That word fervent means active. We got to activate several people's prayer life. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Look at this. I love this. These are my, some of my favorite scriptures right here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. We read these Bible characters and we think they're superhuman. It says Elijah was a man just like you and I with passions just like you and I. What separated Elijah from you and I? It says he was a man with like passions, but he what? Prayed. He prayed earnestly that it would not what? Rain. And then he prayed earnestly again. We, we preached that uh, a couple of weeks ago where he was on top of the mountain and he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He, 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 had to, he sent his servant seven times. Six times he come out and said, man, nothing's happening with your prayer. He's teaching us here that we stay in that position of prayer until we begin to see something happen. But the fervent prayer is, is, is a, it's a hot prayer. It's an active prayer. It's, it's, not, something that, it's not something where, well, it, you know, God, if you won't do it, you can do it. Most people, most people believe in healing. About everybody believes it. Well, God can if he wants to. So, sometimes you've got to lay hold on it. Fervent prayer. All right, four keys. I'm going to give you two, three other things right here. You know I ain't just going to give you four and just quit. Listen to this. This is corporate prayer. This is, I'm going to talk about corporate prayer just for a minute. So we got to have, we got to have persistent prayer. We got to have faithful prayer. Got to live the lifestyle of purity. And number four, we got to have fervent prayer. It means an active prayer, a prayer life. Got to have an active prayer life. All right. Now when we come into corporate prayer, Corporate prayer is different from when you're in your own prayer closet at home. Now we're coming in corporately to gather together, and this is not when we come to talk about us. Are you with me? On Tuesday morning, I'm not in I do pray the prayer a lot, Lord, help me. But other than that, I'm not praying over my children in that time, and I'm not praying uh, that God would bless me and bless my house and bless my wife. That's not when I'm praying that. I pray that when I'm by myself. When we come corporately, we come under an umbrella to, to ask. We're, 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 we're coming under an agreement. We're coming in agreement with one another. The Bible says when two of us touch and agree, when two of us, there's a power in agreement. Are you with me? When two, two of us touch and agree, that thing's, so we're coming into an agreement over certain issues that we want to see happen. Are you with me? Now let's look at this. Uh, look at right here. Number one thing that we should pray when we meet over there on Tuesdays or when you're meeting over there on Tuesdays is to remind God of the promises that He's spoken over our lives, over this city, and over this nation. Are you with me? How many knows there's some promises hanging right now over your lives? How many knows there's promises hanging over this city? How many believe that there's promises hanging over this church that we have yet to see fulfilled? There is promises hanging right now tonight in the heavenlies over this church that we have yet to see fulfilled. Lord, help me, Jesus. 
So we look at this verse of Scripture in Isaiah 62. Isaiah chapter 62. Dusty, were you pulling them up by? I was just in, in the Bible right here. Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. Verse 6. I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Look at this and give him no rest till he establishes and he makes Jerusalem a, a, a praise in the earth. Now look at this. Give who no rest? Give God no rest. It's powerful right here. If you, he said, I set watchmen on your wall. Think about watchmen in this city. See, one of the things too that I, my job is so uh, strenuous here because one of the things is I believe that I, I, I'm preaching to a group of people that believe so long that now you almost lost, lost hope. The watchmen have fell off the wall. Come on now. The watchmen have fell off the wall. And now I'm in here screaming, we got to get on the wall. But what this scripture is saying is we give God no rest until he begins to answer our pro- He begins to answer and do what he said he would do. Listen, I don't, I don't care how great a prophet. I mean, one of the most powerful prophetic people that I've, I see prophesying now is Sean Boltz. I don't care if Sean Boltz comes up here and prophesies that there are going to be five or 600 people saved next Sunday. Unless we do something with that word, it will never come into fruition. That is a promise by God, but it has to be warred over. It has to be prayed and birthed in this realm. It says, I've set watchmen on your walls... So one of the things we got to pray corporately is God will revive the watchman. And we give him no rest. We give him no rest until he begins to do what he said he would do. And so we go back and we think of those words. We think of those words that, 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 uh, that God has spoken over this city. And we begin to remind him. We take the words that are spoken over our lives. God, you said. I didn't say it. God, I didn't come up with it. But you said. You said that, you said that my children. You said, well, I ain't never got a promise. This book's full of promises right here. You take this book and you find your promise and you hold on to it and you remind him every day. I remind him all the time of Joel 2.28, God, you said you would pour your spirit out upon all flesh. That's what I'm contending for. I'm not contending for meetings where we meet three days a week and we call it revival. I'm contending for a reformation that my family would be transformed, hello, and that my children would walk in what God said they would in this book. That you said that you would pour your spirit out in Joel 2.28, also in Acts 2.17, that, out of, that you would pour your spirit out upon all flesh. Our sons and our daughters would prophesy our old men would dream dreams and our young men would see visions we remind God of that promise and we don't let him rest until he does what he said he would do when we when you see great moves of God I remember listening to Rodney Howard Brown who God has used him tremendously to um, to to set a fire men men of God or whatever um, Randy Clark received the anointing from uh, Rodney Howard Brown. But Rodney Howard Brown got in a rough place. and he, I believe it was he lost his brother. I believe it was. It was what now? His daughter? 
Okay, got in a rough place, lost his daughter. I thought it was his brother. Okay, lost his daughter. But anyhow, he got in such desperation, and he began to pray this prayer, and he began to pray this prayer unto God. Night and day, he began to pray, God, you either come down here and you touch me, or I'm going up there to touch you. But one, some kind of way, I'm going to get my hands on you. And God touched that man. That is the desperation of prayer that I'm talking about. When I went to see Jackson Sinyanga, the, the nation of Uganda, according to the world health or whatever, was going to be going to be annihilated by the year 2000 with the AIDS epidemic. What happened is leaders begin to come together. They begin to seek the face of God and, and the people got hungry for prayer and he said it sounded like a bees just swarming in the buildings where they would have all night prayer meetings. What happened is that AIDS epidemic left that nation and how many the Little League World Series now has the nation of Uganda present in Williamsport, uh, uh, Pennsylvania. God is doing a mighty move of God in Uganda. What happened? The church got hungry hungry for prayer and started contending in the heavens and saying, God, we're not going to let you rest until you do what you said you would do in this nation. First of all, intercessor prayer, you can pray for it, but listen, moving, moving, uh, awakening a church cannot be done by one individual in prayer. It takes an army. All right. Now, so number one, we're going to pray when we meet corporately to remind God of His promise. Here's number two. I ain't asked you, said, what you want me to pray? So I'm, I'm, I'm saying, well, I want you to pray right here. We pray for a great release of His Spirit upon His church. Listen, sermons are not going to change this community. My God, help me right here. Sermons will not change this church. This church is sermon rich. Are you with me? We need a move of the Spirit. God help me. Every time I pray, I pray, God give me a move of the Spirit. I'm talking about a, a 1 Samuel 10 and 6 move of the Spirit. I don't believe tongues is a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when, when Samuel went and anointed Saul, it says that the Spirit of God came upon him and he was turned into another man. I'm telling you that is the sign that the anointing has came upon a person when you lived one way and now you're turned into a complete different being. When you were lukewarm, now you turn into another being. We need this type of move of the Spirit of God in Cornerstone, in the high school, in every church, in this community, and in this nation. The D.A.R.E. program is not going to set our kids free. We need the power of the Holy Ghost moving in our lives. God, help us, Jesus. So we got to pray, God, release a great move of the Spirit. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Listen, this book by itself is not truth. Boy, I just messed you up, didn't I? This is not truth right here that I hold in my hand. Man, I used, I'm going out. On the, well, is this the Word of God? This is absolutely not the Word of God I'm holding in my hand. The Word existed before there was ever ink and paper. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hello. This is not what makes this truth is that this book plus the Spirit equals truth. 
The, the New Testament believers did not have the New Testament. Come on, somebody. They didn't have nothing but the prophets and the Torah. That's all they had. But they had a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they had His Spirit alive inside of them. We need a move of the Spirit. My God, that is what I'm praying. When that man comes in here Sunday night, I don't know what he's coming. I don't know what he's preaching. I don't know if he's got three points in a poem, but this is what I'm asking. When he walks on that stage, the same realm and the fire that I felt in 1998, 17 years ago, envelops this church and it gives us holy heartburn again. That's my prayer. Now let's look at this. In Isaiah 32. My gosh, some time be flying on it. Isaiah 32. Verse 11. Look at this. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent ones. Strip yourselves. Make yourselves bare. And gird sackcloth on your waist. People shall mourn upon their breast for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. On the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. Yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city. Because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted. The forts and towers will become Layers forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. Listen here. Our community will continue to go down until the Spirit is poured upon us. America will continue to slide until the Spirit is poured upon us. God, help us, Jesus. And all across America, every week, we have services after services after services, and we have no unction of the Spirit. God, help me. When I read the great classic Why Revival Tears by Leonard Ravenhill in the first part of that book, he said, Brethren, with all thy getting, get unction. Without unction, we don't have nothing. We need men under unction again in the church. Come on, somebody. Help me tonight. We need unction again. I pray that God give me unction. I want to be gripped by something that is bigger than me. The apostle Paul said, I'm trying to apprehend that which has apprehended me. Many of us have never been apprehended. All of these things will happen until the Spirit is poured on us. That's our only answer. Do you see this? You're not going to take a program in that high school and get purity back in that high school. It's not going to happen. I don't care what kind of program. Most of the programs we have is fear-based. The kingdom of God doesn't move on fear. It moves on faith. You can't scare hell out of nobody. Are you with me now? But they will give their lives for love. Are you listening to me? What they need is an outpouring of the Spirit of God in that school. What changed my life was not going to hear a man preach. It was the Spirit. So we pray, God, 
release the Spirit of God in a greater way in our church, in the leaders in this community, and all, all over this community, and then upon the, uh, upon the nation, and then upon the world. Are you with me? How many believe that we need a greater measure? Now, I've already quoted Joel 2.28. Listen to this. For times of worship, we pray that the little room will be filled with the manifest presence of God. I was preaching one night and the brothers come up and say, he said, well, God's everywhere. God is everywhere, but he don't manifest himself everywhere. God was everywhere, but when he manifested himself in a burning bush, it stopped Moses in his tracks. So what I pray, I don't know what you pray, but what I'm praying is, God, I want your little manifested presence to fill this entire room. If a man feels the manifested presence of God, he don't have to hear much, and he's ready to give his life to God. Are you with me now? But without the manifest presence, we got to scream, holler, scare them, turn the lights off, tell five car wreck stories. But when the glory of God is in the room, it will draw all men unto him. Hello, this is why we want him. We don't want him just to say, hey, we want to feel good. No, it's not that. We want to see people healed. If the glory of God filled this room tonight, Doc D's would go home a brand new man and that disease wouldn't live in his body. We want the glory of God to fill this room. The Holy Ghost. Habakkuk said that the knowledge of the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We're not wanting to sing two songs and preach a message. My God, I want to see the glory of God fill the room. And he's not going to fill the room when we come in here yawning and oh my gosh, they're singing that song again. No, we got to have holy heartburn and say, God, fill the room. Every Tuesday, that's what we prayed. God, I, when, the, when the worship starts, I prayed you do what you said in your word in Psalms 22, 3, that you are enthroned in the praises of your people. God, come and dwell amongst us. God, come in this place. You said we are living stones being built together to form a holy priesthood and become the dwelling place of God. Let Cornerstone become a dwelling place of the manifested glory of God. This is what we're praying. I says, my God, he's, he's praying for a bunch of stuff. Next thing I'm going to pray is I'm going to pray that the worship team and the musicians flow with the leading of the Holy Spirit. What I found that God might be riding. He might be riding on Everby this Sunday, but you can't put God in a box and put him on Everby next Sunday. He liable to be back on the old stuff next Sunday. He liable to be back on the glory land way next Sunday. But what we want is we want a worship leader and musicians that feel the tugging of the Holy Ghost and say, hey, I know we got these four songs, but listen, we're going to jump back in the red book right now because that's what God is saying. And when we say what God is saying, he'll come down in the room. Hello, somebody. It ain't never been my heart to come by the door and hand you a trinket at the front door and say we're going to sing this song, this song, this song. We take it up the offering. We're going to pray for granted. After that, then the pastor's going to preach a message on joy for 35 minutes and we're going to be down there eating chicken. No, we want the manifested glory of God. I'm preaching hard on Wednesday night. Then. My God. 
So we got to pray, God, I pray right now that you help Matt, God. Father, help him, Jesus. God, when you say go to the left, we want to go to the left. If you say go to the right, we want to go to the right. If you say don't preach, we don't want to preach, God. If you say come lay in the floor, God, we want to come lay in the floor. If you say run, we want to run. If you say stop, we want to stop. We want to be led by the Spirit of the living God. Most churches in America, God is the one knocking at the front door saying, let me in that place. Whew, I feel, my God. We got our messages so jam-packed, our services so tight that we ain't got no room for the Holy Spirit. What I have found out, listen, friend, is he can do more in two minutes than I can do in a lifetime. And a lot of times he's got people in here he wants to touch and all he asks me to do is get out the way where he can do what he wants to do. My job is to honor him and say, hey, this is your place. We've got to learn how to let God have his way. So my prayer is, God, Lord, Father, I pray with that worship team. God, give Matt what to sing. Father, give him a dream. Lord, wake him up. Shake him in the middle of the night. But God, let him come to this place. And so he comes to this place with what he feels like God has given him. But at any moment, we jump off. And God's there. Listen, there ain't no... There. When we're fishing in the river, when we find the fish, we don't go nowhere else. We stay there till they quit biting. And if God is riding on freedom by Eddie James, by George, I'm going to sing freedom till the freedom breaks off. Lady come to our church in Alma. She said, I tell you right now, I don't understand why you got to sing so long. And I don't know why you sing those songs four and five times. I said, well, let me just explain it to you like this. It takes two praise songs to get the people woke up. Then about 30 minutes into the praise service, we finally got depression, Prozac, and all the rest of it broke off. And then we're ready to enter into worship. I about want to say something else right there. But I, I went to, in 2001, listened to Gary Oliver teaching a worship conference. And this is how he opened up his worship conference. He said a man told, he said a man asked, he said, I want you to teach me how to worship God. He said, I can't teach you no more how to worship God than, than uh, that'd be like you trying to teach me how to make love to my wife. He said, it's only an experience. Let me just say this, since I jumped on that. Worship, we lose a lot of people between praise and worship. See, praise is done with the soul. But worship's done with the spirit. There's a transition. Hebrews 7 says, while the outer tabernacle, while the outer tabernacle remains, we cannot enter into the holiest of holies. That outer tabernacle is the soul. That's where all the junk resides in us, is the soul and the mind. Are you with me? See, if, I've, if I've, I've not done everything I need to do, it's hard to run in and cut Percy's sledge on 
and hang my britches up there on the. You follow me? But if things is done right all week and all day, it don't take long to enter in. You follow me? God wanting our heart in that type of way that, listen, the praise is just to cut the atmosphere just a little bit. Are you following me? But he wants that deep intimacy of the Spirit where my Spirit and the Holy Spirit in me is intertwined with his Spirit. Are you with me? That's what we're looking for. All right, and so we're going to pray those prayers right there. i got to go. I'm almost done. I lost you right there when I started talking about that. So We all act like we ain't done it, but all of y'all got youngers in here, so something's happening on in your houses, okay? <laughs> I got married when I was 22. The Bible says, man cannot live by bread alone. And I realized I couldn't, so I got married. Praise God. Listen. It's, I don't, we'll break this CD. For the word, we got to pray for the hearts to be open to receive the word. Are you with me? It's the condition of the soul. So we're praying, Father. God, open the hearts of your people to receive what your Spirit's saying to the church. Last thing is this, I'm going to pray. Father, we pray for the Word to be delivered in power. Not only in just Word, but in demonstration. Listen to me. What the American church has got to have and what Cornerstone has got to have and what John Bagley's got to have is a demonstration of the message in which we preach. We have indoctrinated, informed the church to absolute death. And we have brought no demonstration of what we say we believe and preach. If we preach healing, let's demonstrate healing. Are you with me? We've seen healing in this church. I've been here two years. Two years ago tonight, I was put in this church. Anniversary date. You can bring gifts Sunday. I'm playing. But we've seen healing in the church. But we've got to have the message demonstrated in which we say we believe. If we preach it, let's give demonstration to it. That will have to be contended with with the realm of prayer. Because there's a lot going on to fight that word from being demonstrated in the church. Are you with me? Unbelief. All of those things. When, when this comes back to the church, we won't have to fire people up about evangelism. I'm done, okay? Fasten your seatbelt. We're fixing the land. I was sitting at home one afternoon some years ago, and I had the Bible open, and I was just reading it. And when I got to Acts chapter 4, after Acts chapter 3, where they heal the man at the gate uh, called Beautiful, they get beaten, and Peter tells this. He says, we can't help but to speak of the things which we have seen and heard. And when I read that, the Spirit of the Lord come upon me, and he said, what's wrong with evangelism in America is they've only heard they have not seen. When we see and hear, oh, Psalms 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not only do we taste of the word, but we see the word. We see the word carried out. 
When we preach salvation, we see people give their lives to the Lord. When we preach healing, whatever it is, there has to be a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Are you with me? When, when Paul was at Mars Hill and he started to begin to debate with the philosophers of that day, the, the Bible says little was accomplished there except few people gave their heart to the Lord. He leaves Mars Hill and he goes to Corinth. And as he's going to Corinth in, in Acts 18 on his missionary journey, he lets us know what he's thinking in 1 Corinthians. And he says, when I came to you at Corinth, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. But I came in a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Listen, church, what I'm after, for, what I'm after is a demonstration in the power of the Spirit. What I'm after on my life is a manifested presence to shake me to the core. Maybe like the man that I heard Bill Johnson say of a man that was praying to see an angel. And he got this tent and he went out and he began to fast and seek God. And he said that an angel appeared to him and it scared the daylights out of him and he never wants to see an angel again. Listen, I want, I want the manifested presence of God. That's the only thing that's going to change our church. You can't have revival without the Spirit. You can't have a move of God without problems. Where the oxen is, somebody's going to have to shovel stuff out. Are you with me now? But I would rather deal with the, I would rather have a shovel in my hand than have no oxen and no power and no spirit. Well, we want, we want, well, we want excellence in our church. Well, let me tell you something. We can go right there in front of, uh, in front of Dorsey's and open the front door and excellence is right in front of our eyes. Every one of those graves are laid perfectly. Every one of them is nice and neat. Everything's edged and trimmed, but there's absolutely no life laying out there. We can have every bush trimmed. Praise God. They, you know, we got the red tips. You ain't noticed. They look good. Over there looking like Edward Scissorhand for a while. But, but, but we can have everything done. We can have carpet. We can have everything in here. You can, we, can have, we can have a Keurig at the end of every row so we can fix your coffee while we're preaching. But if there's absolutely no spirit, friend, I'm telling you, we ain't nothing but the Elks Club. In the great words of Apostle Dale Young, this is not circle stone. This is cornerstone. And we want the spirit and the power of God on display, and we want it hungered in our lives. So the four keys, persistent prayer, it's not a weekly thing. This is not some fad. If, if we stop praying, it's because I'm backslid. I said, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what backslidden. If you're not in heart pursuit, you're in backslidden condition. Well, this is not a fad. This is a way of life. Are you with me? The next card we're gonna pull out is fasting. I'm just trying to give. I'm trying to. I'm trying to condition my own self. I can't preach what I can't live. I'm not preaching what I can't live. So I just figured we'd just start out the new year with a 40-day juice fast. If we catch anybody with food in your mouth, we're going to hang you. <laughs> no, we won't do it like that because I, I ain't built up to that. But I'm working on it. Are you with me? Because 
there's two things. That, the Bible says we quote this at, at, uh, at weddings. What God has put together, let no man put us under. There's other things besides husband and wife he put together. Prayer and fasting. Tithe and offering. So we so if we want to see results, we gotta we gotta put the fasting on there. So we'll we'll get that figured out and get that prayed over. Somebody said, Well, we pray to lead Lord ain't never gonna lead you to fast, you gotta say you're gonna do it. Miss Linda, you looking at me like I met a guy one time that was fasting. He was fasting himself for one meal a day. And he was eating like three cheeseburgers and all at lunch. Whatever. I'm thinking, man, that's, you holding it all at one time. You know what I'm saying? There is a fast that we'll start with. The book of Daniel says King Darius fasted all night long. I've been fasting for a while, all night. We pray over those things. I promise you we'll see a difference. I promise you we'll see a difference. We pray over the hearts of our people. God, awaken our hearts. So if you will, stand up. We're going to practice this thing right quick before we go home. It's 829. I feel like that we should be able to pray for a minute. How many believe you can go for a minute? Hot. How many said, well, how many can pray out loud? How many cannot pray out loud? Raise your hand. You cannot pray out loud. You're afraid somebody will hear you. Oh, well, good. I heard some people say, well, I can't pray out loud, Pastor. Let a lady, the most timid lady you've ever seen in your life, you can't say nothing out loud. Let her have her child in the shopping buggy in Walmart and let her turn around. That child's not going. I'll show you later. It's not timid anymore. I'm telling you, this is the realm. This is where we got to get. So, for one minute, let's just have one target of prayer right here. Father, release the Holy Spirit in a greater measure upon the church in Cook County. Can you pray that for one minute? Uh, have y'all started? I ain't heard nothing going on in the building right here. I mean, I, a cricket can pray louder than that. Jimmy the cricket got y'all beat. Let's go. Father, we pray right now for the Spirit of God to be released in a greater measure upon the church in Cook County. Father, we pray for the heart of revival and city and cultural transformation to be birthed in the heart of every leader tonight, Father. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in this community, Lord. We pray over every senior leader and his wife tonight or the wife and the husband. God, we pray the fresh spirit of God, a fresh oil of heaven would come upon them tonight in a greater way. God, we read tonight out of Isaiah 32, these things are going to happen until the spirit comes upon us. 
Lord, let the Spirit of God come upon us in a greater measure, in a greater way. God, I pray tonight, Father, that when Bo Turner comes in this church on Sunday night, we pray for the Spirit of God to come in a greater way, in a greater measure. For those that have never experienced the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I pray that you would fill us afresh Sunday night, God. Let us leave the house of God intoxicated and drunk in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' mighty name. How many want to do that? How many want to get drunk Sunday night? Now I'm looking for some heavy drinkers. Y'all don't want to get drunk. How many want to get drunk? (laughs) Well, we're going to open Joel's bar Sunday night. Joel 2.28. Father, I bless your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.